We are currently recording in the podcast booth inside Staples Studio located in Kelowna. Staples Studio is a co-working space for those looking for a safe alternative to working from home. I know I feel so stuck at home these days, and going to Staples makes me feel like I actually have a change of pace. They offer not only a safe space to work with desks, offices, private phone booths, and meeting rooms, they are connected to the Staples store where they have everything you need under one roof. Studio is more than just a co-working space. Studio is a community to help you work, learn, and grow. Follow them on Instagram at Staples Studio Canada for more information on locations, pricing, and amenities. Please visit studio.staples.ca and book a virtual tour. Hello everyone, welcome to What Really Works, a mental health podcast for young adults and youth. In these podcasts, you can expect to hear us chat about mental health and provide well-being tips and tricks with the odd joke thrown in. What Really Works is brought to you by Discovery College, an initiative run by the Canadian Mental Health Association Kelowna, where lived and living experience and learned experience informs everything we do. Now let's get started with today's episode. Hello, What Really Works listeners. It's Olivia here, and of course, we have Becky. Hi, Becky. Hello. How's it going today? I'm doing all right. I'm actually kind of excited for recording this episode. I thought that you were going to say that you're not doing that great because your bike chain broke on the oh, way yeah. here and it was a bit of a flustering morning, but I'm glad you're doing okay. That's good. You know what? Uh, it's like a 75-year-old bike. It's like part of the course. <laughs> and it's, uh, I paid $20 for it. Like the chain's going to come up all the time. Like it just is what it is. I can fix it. That's why I'm not too flustered. You know what, Becky? Just move past that failure, girl. Exactly. And haha, what really works, listeners. Today, we are going to be talking about Dun, 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 failure. Again, don't <laughs> worry. We know that we've talked about it before. We're not just spacing out on the episodes that we've done, but we actually have an amazing guest here today with us to talk about failure more because afterwards, Becky and I felt as though, yeah, there was so much more to talk about. Yeah, it's an interesting topic, isn't it? Failure, because depending on who you are, depends on how you view it. And even in the previous episode where we did Overcoming Failure Part 1, me and you had different perspectives of what failure meant. And I'd really recommend listening to the Part 1 if you're just tuning into this today. But then also we sent the podcast episode to Jessica and Jessica had another perspective on it as well. So we were just like, you know what? This is a big topic. So let's get as many perspectives as possible. Let's bring in Jessica to provide us with even more information. So hello, Jessica. Hello, Becky and Olivia. (laughs) Hey, you're going to steal my intro there. That sounded pretty good. (laughs) That's right. Um, So Jessica, do you mind describing to the What Really Works listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I am the Associate Director of Community Engagement at CMHA Kelowna, but I've been in communications and public engagement for a long time. um, And I got my background in broadcast journalism. So you want to talk about fear of failure, there are many opportunities to use a trendy term, epic fails, in front (laughs) of the the public eye. But that's not uh, the perspective I want to come from today. In fact, uh, my biggest learning about failure came from my work in nonprofit industries. So I can't wait to get into the details of that and what I'm still trying to learn. I was going to say what I've learned, but I think it's more accurate to say what I'm still trying to learn from the whole thing. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's a, you know, that's a great way to look at it of just trying to learn because we're always, I don't want to say we're always failing, but I think a little bit of what we want to talk about today is how failure can actually be a good thing and how we don't want to see all of our failures as miss as like mistakes or missed opportunities or whatever it might be but actually as something that can impact our life in a really positive way and failure is a part of life as much as I hate it and I'm sure we all hate it (laughs) we can't avoid failure it's gonna happen at some point in our lives right so like you say, it's better to kind of maybe think about the perspectives and how we can like learn and grow from it, right? Rather than getting absolutely stuck in that. I, my kind of first question I would love to ask you, Jessica, is around like what does, when we're, we're talking about failure, so what does that actually mean to you? Or like how has your perspective changed on it over time if it has? Yeah, what does it mean to me? I mean, I think I'm, my instinct is to go to that first place. And I think, Olivia, you quoted from the Oxford Dictionary, which was like the opposite of success. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, man, really? So what I'm trying to change is actually it's number two on the dictionary, which not everybody looks down to the second or third definitions. But I wanted to dig a bit deeper. And it actually means that you didn't achieve the expected result. Mm. which I think is just a softer way of looking at it. And I think that when you get into the, the, the really nuts and bolts of what failure means, I think that's what it means. What you thought was going to happen or what you hoped was going to happen didn't happen. So I think if we start from there right away, we can take away or etch away at some of that negative connotations that comes with the word failure. And that's the perspective I'd like to come from. I like that a lot because it goes into what Becky and I discuss a lot on this podcast of just life and change being inevitable. And from that perspective, you could almost frame failure as just related to change. It's just something unexpected in life, something that we can't control and not an expected outcome exactly like you're saying, Jessica, which kind of relates to how we might want to think about it too, right? If we're thinking about failure as unintended outcome or an outcome that we weren't expecting, then maybe we want to take that in stride and just recognize that we can't control the things around us. We can't control outcomes. We can't control the people around us. And oftentimes we can't control what we might fail at. It also feels less scary the way that you would it. It sounds pretty scary when you go with that first definition of like not succeeding. It's like, great, because everyone wants to succeed and do well. But if we're thinking about it, like, oh, it just didn't meet the expectations that you set for it. That makes it way less scary to kind of get yourself stuck in there or get started with something and just put ourselves out there. It becomes way less terrifying to be a little bit vulnerable to trying new things. When I was doing the research for this, I was thinking of trying to figure out the best way to explain this. And I thought something really relevant right now is vaccine production. Okay, so we know that, like, I think of like doctors in a lab and they're working frantically and they're trying to get the, the, the vaccine, the right vaccine for whether it's COVID or, or what have you. But there's got to be points along the way where their vaccine that they're trying isn't succeeding. It's failing. And in that instance, that's a good thing. Because what they want to go public with is a vaccine that works. So would we typically call that a failure? No, we know that they're learning along the way. 
So are we going to mock those scientists for saying, oh my God, this is the fifth or sixth or eighth trial? No, we are thankful that they've learned along the way. And so that's a pretty broad example. But I think if we say we're thankful for those learning experiences along the way, we can take that as our example. Yeah, what actually really comes to mind is when you were talking about that is when you hear it on the news, even just on that example, is it's they're developing a vaccine. They're developing something. It comes with that trial and error piece of like that research and learning and growing. And so we refer to it as developing, but why don't we refer that to ourselves? In some regard, we do say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm young, especially when we're young. I'm young and I'm making mistakes and I'm learning from those mistakes. But we definitely don't view it in the same way that we might view something like vaccines, Jessica, or maybe just like more education-based things or work-based things where you try multiple times to turn out a product or to do whatever it is. Like you work on your essay and you are editing five, six, seven times and you're always finding new things that you did wrong and that's just a part of the process. It's interesting how we don't see failure as a part of the process of who we are as humans, but instead as something that we want to stray away from. And Jessica, we were having this conversation before, and I'd I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, of social media in relation to failure, of social media being the space where failure is not often represented. You know, we we can look at a lot of, especially influencers' Instagram pages, where the idea and the thing that is I guess appealing about those Instagram pages is the perfection and the lack of failure on there where it is kind of, it's interesting that we just as humans love to look at that lack of failure and not recognize it within other people. And we don't want to recognize it within ourselves too. Well, for sure. I mean, there's some very real examples uh, that, that I know um, in my life, you know, I have a friend who's a relatively new mom and she's following all kinds of influencer mom moms on the internet and on Instagram. And of course, they're showing these real perfect lives of these perfectly, you know, their hair done, their makeup done, their baby's not crying. And meantime, she's at home going, is this what a newborn life with a newborn is supposed to be like? And talk about impacting mental health at a very vulnerable time. Um, and, and we know there's been lots of discussion. I think you guys have had some discussions even in earlier podcasts about the impacts of uh, mental health for various populations uh, when it comes to social media. But also, too, what really bothers me is social media that mocks failure. Mm-hmm. And there are accounts, which I was going to look them up. And then I'm like, no, I'm not going to give the names because I don't want people to look them up. But (laughs) if if you know, you know, where it's all the epic fails, it's people falling and hurting themselves. And they have thousands, tens, hundreds of thousands of followers. So it's interesting, Olivia, that you say, one, we have the two extremes. So we can't ever show the failures or perhaps, let's say, the realities or the trial and errors on Instagram. But if we do, it has to fall under this thing. And I'm going to pronounce this word because it's, it's, it's a word. It's a German word, but it's called schadenfreude. And actually, the term schadenfreude is to experience the pleasure or joy or self-satisfaction that comes from learning or witnessing of the troubles and failures of others. Interesting. Isn't that, it's it's a thing. So as, okay, so now I just told you about the German word. There are countless words. I did a little bit more research. They're in all kinds of 
cultures and all kinds of languages, there are words and these go back in history. This is not a new word. This is not something that's come out from Instagram or social media. So there's that element. So when you guys talked about last episode, that deep seated fear of failure and, and, and kind of like what's wrong with us, why can't we get over this? This is a layer to that where we have survived and grown up and evolved as people and having that little seed of joy in uh, somebody else's failure. And I think that is, that is a critical place to start. Yeah. Yeah. I actually used to work in, in a school doing behavior intervention and I saw exactly what you were talking about, Jessica, was this whole, and it definitely came a lot from like social media and watching YouTube videos of like epic fail videos where like if somebody like tripped a different kid would go fail and I'd be like that's so mean like that's so unkind like that person's just had like a little bit of a moment where they've just like tripped up I know when that happens to me I'm like dying inside and then they're having somebody point at them and go fail and I had to have conversations and be like that's pretty unkind well the thing is though is like I totally get it because we've all been there right so when you when you see someone else have an epic fail or whatever it is I think you kind of go to this place in your heart where you're like "Ooh, yeah I've been there before and I'm glad I'm not the only one so it's kind of funny that other people go through it too well yeah and I'm also thinking like of an experience of watching my boyfriend try to ice skate one time and all I did was laugh cry at him because he was Bambi on ice and that's exactly what you're talking about Jessica is actually like (laughs) I'm laughing at the fact that he's having a hard time. And maybe it's because I know at the end of the day, like, it's something that doesn't necessarily mean much to him. So I can have more of that ability to like laugh at the situation. Well, and I think, I mean, and that story, I mean, I think we, we, there's that point of connection when you said that we've all been there and, and when it's someone, you know, or something and kind of that laughing, I think sometimes it's that instinct to laugh, to say, Hey, I'm here with you. Oh my gosh. Are you okay? Mm-hmm. And I think that's different from the um, element of like taking distinct joy in like strangers, right? That's different. Like, I don't think I would put that instance in the same category as following an Instagram account where all people do is fall flat on their face. I don't know, that, that's my perspective anyway on that particular one. Yeah, absolutely. I totally understand where you're coming from from there. It's interesting because it seems as though there's so many different types mm-hmm. of failures, right? It's coming to my mind that we have these deep values and beliefs that we hold about who we are and what we want to be. And if we happen to fail in something that contributes to that, you know, that contributes to our values and who we want to be, then that can be a really, really, really hard thing. And no one wants to see videos of that on the internet because that's just, that's crushing. Right. Mm -hmm. But then when it comes to failures of maybe like our physical bodies Mm -hmm. or something like that, it's almost, it seems as though we put it in a different category when, when maybe we shouldn't. Right. I mean, so when, when I talk about uh, probably the, the one instance that was the, the, the largest learning experience for me when it comes for failure is this was uh, a fundraiser um, that I was wanted to do for the nonprofit that I worked at right now. And it was an idea that was proven in other communities. Um, I flew out to other communities and researched it. And I uh, got the ball rolling here and I got, you know, the mayor involved in promoting it. I got some, it was a, it was a hockey tournament 
Um, I got local NHLers involved. I used up their time and shot promo videos and got everyone jazzed up about it. I, um, we had a budget associated with it. So I started spending some money to kind of get sorted with this and it flopped. Nobody signed up for it. Aww. Nobody signed up for it. And I was, I was shocked. I was shocked because I had done all the right things, right? So I had researched it. I had done uh, an environmental scan locally. I'd got interested parties. I, you know, thought I had done all the thing things. I had done enough in fundraising to kind of, you know, have the, the, the hook. Mm -hmm. And I had to cancel it. And then I had to go back and tell all these people uh, who I had convinced to take part in it, that it was canceled. I actually had, I think there was two people that had signed up. So I had to go back and tell them it was canceled and refund their money. And uh, I had to tell my boss that I had spent all this money. And it was, um, I was, I was devastated. Mm -hmm. And I think part of it was because of course it was my ego because I, I had never in my recollection had taken such a chance on, on something that I felt was so big. But part of the reason was that it had involved other people. You know, I'm someone that really doesn't like to waste other people's time. Certainly not money. I work for a nonprofit. So that's a big, oh no. <laughs> and, um, and, and that failed like fully failed. So everyone was super supportive, but of course in the moment that doesn't help. Mm. So I, you know, got through that and all of those kinds of things. So then, and as part of my process for um, dealing with this, I had, I had asked to, to give a community talk, part of a, a larger night for a community talk. And so I said, I'm going to talk about failure. Cause of course, you know, to get over your failure, you read, you read about all the studies about failure and why you should just go with the flow with failure. And I said, okay, I'm ready for this. I'm over this. I'm going to give this talk and I'm going to, you know, support the community and all this kind of stuff. Well, it was not my best talk. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I, I don't think I landed the point. I was super nervous, which is not like me. Uh, again, I have a background in, in broadcast journalism. I do not mind standing in front of 150 people and talking, but I think it's because I was talking about failing. So yeah. in my mind, in the very steps that I was taking, I failed in that. Yeah. <laughs> I compounded my failure. <laughs> and boy, then did I do some self-talk and say, hey, Jess, you've got to get over this and quickly because you cannot let this. And at this point, it had been like a year and a half later, and it was still a thing for me. And I just thought, I don't want this to control me the way that it has for so long. So that's my experience with failure. One of the things that resonated with me on your last podcast is that you guys talked about your fear of failure preventing you from trying new things. And I have to tell you, every time I think of, of conceive of a new event or do execute an event, I think about this instant and I get this moment like, oh my goodness, what if nobody comes? What if nobody signs up? And so I wonder if that failure at that event though I still prefer that I would, it wouldn't have gone that way. If it helps me now in my engagement and my promotion and my event execution here today, and cause it, it's still my job. So yeah. these are the type of things that I think about. Yeah. And I really appreciate you bringing up that example, Jessica, and thanks for sharing that with us because I think it's a really interesting example of a situation where we want to 
move past that failure as soon as we can, right? And we immediately want to turn it into something that we deem as successful, right? So there was this event that maybe didn't go the way that you were hoping. And then, you know, Jessica is a, is a very, very dedicated and enthusiastic individual and, you know, very productive. And I'm sure that you were like, okay, I'm going to turn this failure into success by doing a speech on failure. And then it's like we just force ourselves so quickly to get back to how we know ourselves as this, as this person that does everything the way that we should be doing it. I know that resonates with me a lot because that's how I am. But if we're too hard on ourselves and if we try to do that too fast without really processing our failures, then we're not really doing the best for ourselves, right? It does take time, which is something that a lot of us don't really want to take time to think about. You don't want to sit and think about the things that you failed at all the time. That sucks. I agree with you. And I've given lots of examples of failure here. And I think you both got, you both have said like there's different instances. You know, we've talked about, say, for example, the, the scientists and they're developing um, a vaccine. You know, certainly uh, if I went into that mindset with that fundraising event, we don't really have that luxury. Like you enter into something in order for it to be a success. A nonprofit, yeah. the whole thing is it shouldn't. So I get that those are two different instances. But I think your point is well made because what's the mindset going into this? How can that impact us while we're undergoing the activity or whatever? And then what are, what's going to be our takeaway afterwards? And what can we learn from it? And exactly, it, it, the learning may come, let's see, it's probably going on about six years now. It brings yeah. up an interesting thought to, in my brain though of like, so often you'll hear people say, failure is not an option. Mm. It's like, what does that even mean? What does it mean that failure is not an option, especially if we're looking at failure as something where the expected result is not what happens? Because it seems to me that failure is always an option. We just don't want it to be one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a tricky one because it, I think it depends how you look at it and what the, what's the word, the weight behind mm. the the even the saying failure is not an option i'm a big space geek so the term <laughs> that failure is not an option it actually comes from when apollo 13 and they were running out of oxygen and they were like failure is not an option like people are not going to be okay if we fail at doing our job as nasa with these people so that's like has a lot of weight behind it right lives yeah yeah but not everybody's experience and not everybody's circumstances have that have that weight behind it mm. like I I think myself so all the time of things that I've done within like my work and my life and I'm like I can't fail at this and then I say to myself well actually like why am I putting so much weight on this because what what is what's the outcome going to be if I get it wrong or it doesn't work out like not that much right well there might be like, there might be some things where like I'm really disappointed in myself or I feel shameful or judgmental of myself or whatever but there's not as much of a weight as NASA having to get some <laughs> spacemen home, <laughs> right? Spacemen. Spacemen, astronauts, <laughs> whatever you want to call them. But, you know, and it, it's really interesting because it all comes down to how we perceive whatever it is that we want to go towards. Mm -hmm. It's how, how valuable that is in our lives or what the purpose of that thing is in our lives. We put the weight or that expectation on it. And it comes back to the definition you said, Jessica, about didn't meet the expectations. So if we're setting these incredibly high expectations on ourselves, then we're setting ourselves up to fail and we're setting ourselves up to put a huge amount of weight and pressure on something, right? Versus if sometimes we take a step back, 
for example, like I like I normally like to throw myself into when I'm learning things, but I've been re- learning to ride my motorbike, and I've actually learned from myself and my past failures that actually I need to put really low expectations on myself. So I'm like, you know what? I've got four hours to get to this campsite that's actually only even 25k away, and I'll get there when I get there. Versus I'm going to be there in half an hour because that's how long it should take someone to ride there. And that's just like a small example, but it relieves that pressure of myself. And it also means I'm not setting myself up for that failure because mm-hmm. I feel better about it going in. I feel more open about it. It feels safer for me to start it. I just had a light bulb moment. Ooh. Jessica and Becky, when you're describing your stories, one of the key elements in both of those stories that I didn't really think relates to failure, but totally does is resilience, right? Because with resilience, you are you know, we often speak of it in terms of perhaps there was some sort of traumatic event or something in our lives that was, you know, negative and and we had to overcome that. We had to overcome the adversity that that's affected us. But we also have to overcome, overcome those failures. And a part of being resilient and learning to grow in our resilience is reflecting on those hard things that we've been through and learning from those and thinking about what we can do next time to support ourselves in the best way possible. And both of you did that with those with those failures, right? Of thinking, okay, so last time I was on my motorcycle, I did this and I did this, and that led to me feeling as though I failed at that. So next time I'm going to take more time and I'm going to think about it this way. And same with, with Jessica's story. So maybe we can view resi- failure as, um, you know, as a part of, re- part of resilience in many ways. Mm-hmm. And we know that with resilience, uh, it, it's something that you have to nurture and build and, and pay attention to. And if we approach those things like we're learning, right? So if, if you're, Becky, if you're going to hop on your motorcycle and your motorbike, and I'm, I'm a motorbike rider as well, and it seems like every spring when I get my insurance on, I have to kind of quickly like remember how to, how to use the motorbike. And I, and I get frustrated with myself and I say, you know what? No, you just learned this, how to ride a motorbike two years ago. Just use this summer, use these summer months as a learning experience. And then it, the, so the weight of it is removed uh, or lessened. And Olivia, to like what you were saying is that it's building my resilience so that I know if I stall at the light or I, you know, do whatever, or I'm too nervous to, to, to keep up with traffic on the highway, then I'm preparing myself to say, it's okay, because after all, this is actually a luxury thing that I'm learning to ride a motorcycle. You know, this isn't trying to get astronauts home. You've been at those red lights before. You can reflect on how you've Mm -hmm. passed those awkward moments and, and, you know, go from there and do it again. One of the things that we did really want to get into today is viewing failure and failure culture as, you know, potentially something that can be positive for us. Can we talk a little bit about, more about that, Jess, of like what you mean about framing our failure, framing failure culture in a positive way rather than in that negative way that we so typically think of it? Yeah, for sure. When I first heard the term failure culture, I assumed the negative. Isn't that funny? Right away that, that, you know, it's like the big bad F word, the failure. It's like, oh, a culture of failure. But actually what it means is a culture of learning, a culture of all the words we've used today, trial and error, a culture of experimentation. Most often it's talking about in workplaces. 
So again, this doesn't mean that you're not bringing your best effort. It doesn't mean that you're not trying hard and you want to do well and you want, you know, you, you don't want to cost your nonprofit tens of thousands of dollars. But if it's a culture of failure, it means one, it's a learning environment, one where there's not going to be some negative consequences if you do not achieve the expected outcome but there will be time for that reflection again to build resilience as an organization as an employee within that organization to say okay what did we learn what do we know what can we do differently next time and so if we take that concept and we move it outside of the workplace because uh, that's where i saw it most used and moved it say example into our homes mm -hmm. so i used to be a really bad cook i hated cooking I actually didn't do it. I avoided it. I was the type of person who would, if I had to cook dinner uh, for friends, chances are I would probably be in tears or I would be vibrating at such a high level by the time dinner was done, I couldn't enjoy it. Then I know, I, I know why you're giggling. Then about 10 years ago, I was diagnosed celiac. So there's no quick stopping here and there to get takeout for dinner. What I did is I incorporated my learning to cook also because I had to, a uh, strict gluten-free diet. And to, so learning to cook, but then also if anyone out there has tried to cook gluten-free or bake gluten-free for the first time, you want to talk about trial and error? My poor <laughs> husband, has he, he's been like, oh, this is so good. No, it's not good. So if we take that environment of failure culture and I'm going to make a loaf of gluten-free bread and it sounds so simple but it is probably one of the hardest things to do and I know that I'm not going to get it right the first time and I'm probably not going to get it right the second time but I can take a look and I can learn more about gluten-free baking plus 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 you know what eventually I'm going to get there and so I think those are two examples because people may say well workplace are different their home is that different if you take that mindset of the failure culture and understand what it means, I think it's easy to apply to most, if not every aspect of your life. Yeah, that's really interesting. And actually, it makes me think of something that was brought up when I was talking about motivation with somebody one time around, we called it garbage first drafts. The official word is rude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we call it garbage first drafts. But like you say, it's kind of that view of you know the first time I do this doesn't have to be the perfect final product the first time I do this actually is that like I'm just gonna see where this goes like it's gonna be maybe a little bit of fun it's gonna be a little bit of learning it's just gonna be like jotting those ideas down whatever so that you know when that first loaf comes out the oven you're kind of like well this is my garbage first draft if it tastes great then hats off to me like way to go but if it tastes rubbish that's okay because this is just that my part of learning process this is me developing my skill yeah absolutely I think one of the things that I need to really focus on to shift my perspective is actually taking a look at my desired outcome versus the expectations that I have for myself um, creating just a little chart or a little flow map of okay so here's all the expectations I have for myself for this dinner I expect that everyone that comes over is going to have a great time we're all going to 
um, enjoy each other's company and there's going to be no fights. And my dinner is going to be immaculate and everything is going to be perfectly prepared, made on time, and everyone's going to enjoy it and think it's the best meal ever. And when you actually write those things down, you're like, what is wrong with me? Why do I want all of these things to be so perfect? And, you know, not want to have any aspect of potential learning moments in here. And when you compare those expectations to what your realistic desired outcome would be, which is just to have a dinner with your friends and to like be able to eat something that's relatively enjoyable, that's much easier to to kind of try to achieve or at least to to settle my mind, at least my perfectionist mind. I feel like that's a really great place to start and I feel like you can do it proactively Mm -hmm. so like you say thinking about an event that's coming up or something you want to start but I feel like you could also use it retrospectively as well Mm -hmm. in the sense of you know even thinking of the example you spoke about Jessica of like your event that didn't go quite as you hoped you know thinking about maybe like what we were the desired outcomes and maybe they weren't met but you know what things did we get out of that what learning things have I got out of that what steps did I take that were actually really useful and has helped me to get to where I am today? I feel like that can be a, a really helpful way as well of not always focusing it on it as purely like this thing that went wrong and was bad. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's reminding me so much of some of the other podcasts that I've heard you both speak on. Definitely, I think there was one you did on expectations and perfectionism. Mm-hmm. And then as well, um, you recently did one about New Year's resolutions, which kind of tied into that. And I really see the similarities with that comes with those key words, which you, you both keyed in on is the expected or desired result. So are we setting ourselves up for success? Are we setting ourselves up for <gasps> failure? Are we setting <laughs> ourselves up um, for something that is unachievable and unsustainable? And if we look at that result going into it, as you said, Olivia, or in hindsight, as you said, Becky, maybe that is the, the key place to really, one of the key places to really start with this term failure. And I think we can, in that context, I think we can start to reclaim the word because the word's not going anywhere. So I'm not suggesting that we, you know, don't use the word failure. I'm also kind of like, let's call it what it is, but let's take the power of that that word has over us. Let's take that away if we can. I recognize it's easier said than done. Well, I think that's a fair point because words only have the power that we give them. And if we're not choosing to give failure the power of dictating the outcome of what of what we get from a situation and instead use failure as a as a learning tool, as like we're suggesting, then it totally does take away. That, that power from that word, which I think language is so important. We talk about that a lot too, where the way that we frame things in our mind with language does often impact the way that, that we view it in ourselves and in our heart and our person. So yeah, absolutely. Looking at failure, do we want to talk a little bit about how when we fail, we maybe not we won't take such a reflective uh, approach right away and might initially blame other people for our <laughs> failures. This is something that 
I still struggle with all the time because initially my first reaction of any sort of failure is like, who did this? Who, who allowed this to not be successful? And most often it's myself. It is always myself because um, you can always be learning and doing things better. But initially it's so easy for us to say, oh, it was Becky's fault. <laughs> Becky didn't do this, uh, which made this completely fail. Why do we do that? <laughs> Doesn't it? Like, yeah. Like blame is... It's literally just a projection of pain. It's so easy to blame people. Right? It's just like a projection of a person's discomfort and the pain and uncomfortability that they're feeling right now is blaming. And it, like, it hurts when you fail, especially if it is something where you do have high expectations for yourself or there was a lot riding on it um, or other people had high expectations for it as well. Like, you know, it's not those expectations don't always come directly from it. So then we understandably are uncomfortable and as humans we just like to project that pain and get it get it out as fast as possible (laughs) and instead of kind of reflecting on our place within that sometimes it just immediately comes out of I don't want to hold all of this on my own Mm. and sometimes there are other people involved right like I know sometimes like in previous roles I've worked out like failed at certain things and part of it is maybe I wasn't necessarily fully set up with everything I needed to be able to fully succeed in that but at the same time I could have asked for help and things like that but you know it's easy to jump and go well you didn't give me everything I needed so this is on you when actually it's like well like there's also me it takes two to tango right so Mm -hmm. it's it's interesting is blame and it's interesting is judgment because yeah, I think it just comes from the fact that what's going on inside of us is just painful and we don't like it. So it's just like, sometimes it's almost like verbal diarrhea. It's like, I've just got to get this pain out. And sometimes it comes out towards other people. I don't know what everybody else thinks about around that. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. And I think it stems from this idea of, of we, we talked about fail culture and then we have blame culture. And those things so often are intertwined. And the, the, the failure hurts because uh, we're actually might be in a blame culture. So it might be something that we're doing ourselves or, or in a, let's say in a workplace where it's actually a blame culture. And that can even be those subtle things, right? If you only see successes uh, celebrated or voiced or, or discussed, then, you know, we learn, we have those subtle hints uh, around us that we learn from all of our lives. So it doesn't have to be something super overt, but if you notice that there's these signals that are coming, then it could be stemming from blame culture. If things like, you know, failure is not an option or you absolutely has to, have to succeed, uh, those things would be uh, more blame. So then if you are that person who has quote unquote failed, you don't want to be the person blamed and you don't want the repercussions. And uh, Becky, like you say, the repercussions could be internal, you know, put your hand up if you're going to stay awake all night and self-talk about all the things you did wrong, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> or, you know, get called into the corner office from your, your boss or manager or get a, a failing grade in, on, on a term paper, which I do know has repercussions. But the point is, is that what are we learning from those? So if you're in a culture that isn't saying, hey, talk to me about when you approach this assignment. Now, did you misunderstand or what was your, your thought process around this? 
that can be, that's a different approach than a giant red F emailed back to you at the end of the term. Like, so these are the, they're, they're actually different cultures, I believe, and they're nuanced, but they're very important. Yeah, agreed. I think it would be so interesting if either workplaces or schools or maybe just in, a, in our reflective journals, if we could think about the things that we might have failed at during that week and position them in a way of like the things that I've learned this week from things that I might need to do better, right? I mean, for example, like at work, so often we'll, we'll get emails of, look at all the great things that everyone's done this month, which is amazing because you want to celebrate people's successes. But I wonder how it would hit people if, you know, it was like, here's what we didn't do that well, but here's how we've learned from it and show that actually failure is an option, but it's an option that we like grow and learn from. It might make us, if we're reflecting on those things, feel a little bit more comfortable to, to make mistakes and use those mistakes in a really productive and proactive way. Well, and also be able to have a conversation about it yeah, rather than hiding totally. it. Yeah, we hide thing. our failures so much, don't yeah. we? We like hide getting things wrong because we're, we're scared of those repercussions, right? We're scared of what's going to happen. Are we going to get in trouble? Um, are we going to be criticized? Are we going to be judged, ostracized, whatever it is? So we, we kind of just like shove it like in the corner and hope that nobody notices and we're like well I'm gonna do that and then I'm not gonna pay attention to it either I'm just gonna pretend this is not gonna happen and then you know it only is gonna rear its head at some point or another there's only so much pushing down a ball you can do in water right oh I like that it is like all these things that we don't deal with is like it's another ball you've got to try and keep on pushing underwater and there's only so many things you can do before like that ball's just gonna keep pop right up there Yeah, yeah absolutely Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm really interested in, in this, this perspective that, that you both have brought forward in this last little bit and, and just wondering, you know, so how do you get that message? I guess, how do you change? How do you create that fundamental change in perception? It's, it's an interesting conversation. It would need a significant shift and the way that all of us think about failure. And hopefully we can start with this with this little podcast that we're that we're coming at all of you with today of trying to think of failure in a way that is productive for us and positions everything as a learning opportunity and re, you know reflecting back on everything that we've mentioned in this episode and yeah. and then like in my head the place we start is conversations and self-compassion and self-compassion yeah. yeah like I think the place we I mean always generally need to start is with ourselves mm -hmm. but then I think it moves into having conversations and even just having discussions of like what does failure mean to you why is that the way that you think about failure and like that's mm -hmm. really interesting because I think about failure or I'm trying to think about failure in this way like what do you think about that and having those open conversations where it's okay to have a disagreement and if somebody's like no failure is bad and I'm gonna stick with it then fine like <laughs> stick with that but have a conversation where you know people are listening or I'm just thinking of even like at work like group activities like team activities that's about like brainstorming about like failure and how we should be speaking about failure as a team and what do we want failure to mean even for our team and things like that and like how can we bring those conversations in and like how can we approach it as a team like how do we want to approach it as a team you know these kind of things where I think the most important thing is communicating because even just as three you know we all work for the same non-profit CMHA Kelowna and each of us have a very different perception of the word failure and you would think is all working very closely together for the same place we might have a 
a similar kind of perception but actually like through these conversations we've had a lot of different ideas that we've kind of thrown around about what we're trying to think about it or like what our previous thoughts have been Mm -hmm. and I think the place we all need to start is just by asking each other what does failure mean to you like do you find failure hard because I find failure hard well and there's consequences if we can't overcome our dislike of of failure right because then we're not showing up we're not doing those that scary or dangerous things I've learned recently started to learn skiing this season and everyone keeps saying to me if you're not falling if you're not falling hard then you're not learning how to ski right so if we're not showing up if we're not doing those hard scary or dangerous things like Brene Brown says then we're going to end up asking ourselves all the time well what if I had shown up you know what if I what if I had done this what if I had tried these hard things life would be very different right yeah I think also on that point it's interesting how you say uh you mentioned skiing because uh for for someone myself I grew up playing every sport skiing uh I can't do I hate it I've tried it as a young person I've tried as as a middle-aged adult which I am now I've tried all kinds of things I'm bad at it and I don't like it I mean that's a whole other podcast (laughs) do I not like it because I'm bad at it but what uh, I have learned with that is it's okay if I can't ski. It's okay. I do not have to be an amazing skier. And uh, as, as part of, of I t- own that is this time of year, oh, let's go up to Big White. And I'm like, no, I don't <laughs> ski. And not only do I not ski, I don't ski badly. Like, so I think um, when you talk about those conversations and uh, the expected result and the expectations, they're all intertwined. There's no way we can be perfect or great or excellent at everything. Are we setting ourselves up (laughs) for, (laughs) right? And then when there are consequences to our actions or consequences to not overcoming failure, it all comes back to that reframing. And I agree. It starts with ourselves, with those closest to us, and making sure that we understand the definition of failure, but help to talk each other through it. But recognizing, I think, overcoming it, it may take a bit as well. So again, don't be an overachiever in overcoming failure. That's my also takeaway, which you guys brought back from earlier, right? Maybe something happens and you're upset. Okay, be upset. And maybe it's going to take a year or two or however long to work through it. Yeah, I think that that last little nugget there is is perfect of just... You can't be an overachiever trying to <laughs> failure. We can't try to implement all these uh, perfectionist tendencies when we're just trying to trying to learn from our from our actions. Um, Becky or Jessica, do you either of you have anything else that you want to add here in the last coming to an end coming to the end of our episode? No, but knowing myself, I'll think about this conversation at about two or three o'clock in the morning, and I'll have lots of points that I <laughs> wish I would have had said. <laughs> That's that's actually a good reminder for the What Really Works listeners. If any of you that are listening to our podcast have any questions or comments or want us to talk about anything specifically, please do just email us or let's put some comments in the comment section there. We would really love to hear from all of you. So um, that would be great. And thanks so much, Jessica, for coming on. This This was a great conversation. We're really happy to have you on. Thank you both. I love the podcast. I'm not just saying that because you're my colleagues. I really do enjoy this podcast. So I'm glad we dug a little deeper into failure. Yeah, no, I thank you so much. And for all of our listeners, just like we've 
all said, just take it easy on ourselves when we get things wrong or things don't work out the way that we want to. Um, that's it's something that everybody does. And try to take it easy on others, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jessica. And we look forward to hopefully having you on another podcast episode because this was great. And I hope you what really work listeners know all about failure now and are excited to keep failing. Hashtag, hashtag keep failing. Hashtag failing, not failing at failing. Ooh. Ooh. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, goodbye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening to us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can find us on all major podcast streaming platforms. And if you don't want to miss any future episodes, you can follow us or subscribe to What Really Works. To find more from Discovery College, go to discoverycollegecolona.com. And thanks again to Staple Studio in supporting us to produce this podcast.